0: Good morning. How are you this morning? I got a nod, I got another nod, and a thumbs up, and a wave. Why don't you stand with us this morning? Why don't you worship our Lord? in us that Jesus saves hope is here what a joyful noise will make as we join in heaven's song to let all the world know that Jesus saves raise a shout to let all the world know that Jesus saves bring it last. Every day our Lord together.
1: Welcome to Crossroads Ministries. My name is Sean Striplo and I want to welcome you and thank you for being here. Would you be so kind as to grab the friendship folders? Please grab that little black folder there on the aisle. Just grab that, fill out the information, and pass that down the aisle. That is much, much appreciated. We thank you so much for doing that. And uh, I want to thank you for being here on this exciting Palm Sunday. Even though it's uh, like 15 degrees outside, it is uh, warm in the house of the Lord. So I'm so excited that you guys are here today. Um, Now, in addition to our normal activities here at the church, this Friday is our Good Friday service, and so at 7 p.m., we invite you, your friends, and your family to come and join us. Uh, for our Good Friday night of worship. We as a congregation can come together and just praise our Savior for all that He's done for us. And so this is a great chance. Just uh, come on. It's 7 o'clock, Good Friday. And then Sunday, of course, is Easter Sunday. And so we have an exciting service planned. And uh, we have on Saturday our 6 p.m. and then 9.30 on Sunday morning and then 11 o'clock Sunday morning as well. And I have some volunteers that are handing out some cars. I have Josh and I think Brandon Hoffman, they're going to hand out some cards. We have these uh, little, they're just little business cards and, and they just have our information on them. And we're going to give everyone two of these cards. We've been handing these out. And I want you to think right now, think of two names of people that you could hand these to this week and invite them to come Easter is a great time to bring people up to the church, a great time to invite people to see what God is doing. And so um, we're gonna hand these out. If you don't have two names, I want you to pray about two names that God could place on your heart because listen, we take this seriously. We want you to invite your friends, invite your family, invite your neighbors, whoever it is. Think about who you can invite, whether it's gonna be our Good Friday night of worship or it could be our uh, Easter Sunday service, uh, either one or both. And so we want you to think about that. As, uh, as we uh, go throughout the week. It's a great opportunity. Now if you were here yesterday then you saw the explosion of activity that was happening um, all over out this church. We had a skit going on in here with Brandon and Jim Kunkel and myself and we had you know inflatables and we even had an easter egg hunt in our frozen tundra outside even though it was cold and we had you know crafts going on downstairs just so much exciting things going on for our easter Um, extravaganza and so we have a quick video so you can see if you weren't here what all happened so please come check it out
2: Well, it's so good to see everybody in the church this morning. If you're happy to be here, say amen. What a what a thrilling environment we have here on Palm Sunday. You know, Palm Sunday is always special at the church. It's just like we kind of just get plugged into the aura of it all, and it excites us. Ten o'clock yesterday, I drove up on this hill. I thought I'd get here just at the time that everything was starting to happen. The whole parking lot was packed with cars. Uh, it was about 15 degrees. And uh, I walked in the gym, and it was, it was warm in there. Lots of bodies, lots of kids, having a great time. Uh, I want to thank everybody who had such a great part in that. Uh, what that does for our church is let it really lets our community know that, hey, there's something going on on top of this hill for kids. That's our, that's our goal of it all. And uh, we thank everybody for coming and everybody for participating. Friday night uh, is is our Good Friday service. And I always say this, good things still happen on Good Friday. A number of years ago, one of our persons in the church invited a friend that they'd been praying about, that God would open their heart, that friend came to the Good Friday service, and God opened her heart. And uh, that person today is a greeter on our Saturday night service. She told me that for the first time in her life that she, she knew the story of Easter and the resurrection, but she realized that for the first time it was really for her was for her. She opened her heart to Christ. So I said that to say this, invite your friends on Friday night, okay? Somebody you're praying about, maybe you've invited them to church before and they don't have time, uh, just go back again. Just keep going back and back and back. And, and Because you never know what's going on in their life at this time, the stage of their life. And they'll be open for it. So let's, We're going to put a lot of extra chairs in this auditorium for Friday night. We're going to need them. uh, but we're preparing for you to bring your friends, your family, and let's pray for a real outpouring of God's Spirit. On Easter we always turn the price of betrayal into an offering of love. Jesus was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. We ask you to bring a special offering on Easter. This year we're going to start a fund with that, that money that comes on Easter. Uh, to begin to pave our parking lot. You know, it's been leaving us for the last few years, piece by piece. And uh, we, f- we feel that it would probably cost us to do it the right way about $200,000 to do that parking lot. And I, I know that God has that amount of money somewhere. And I I ask you to join me in praying that God would send it in somehow. Uh, some of it's going to have to be really miraculous. But we're using the Easter offering to just be the the foundation for that fund to see God bring it in. And boy, it would be great one day to have a a first-class parking lot. We really need it out there. And I I know that uh, you, you realize that whenever you try to get out of your car. So just pray about that with me and what God would have you do. Let's stand together this morning as our ushers come and we'll receive our morning offering together. We thank you every week for being so consistent uh, and generous in your giving for the church. It makes everything that we're doing possible. You know, the children's ministry, our teenage ministry over at Straight Street Connect Ministries, it it provides all of that. And let's thank the Lord now who gives it to us all. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your love, and we, we thank you for a means of income that we have, a place to go to work and earn a living for our family. We don't take this for granted because there are many people in the world that don't don't have this. And so we come together today as a church family to provide for your spiritual family right here on top of the hill. Uh, Lord, pour out upon us today the spirit of generosity and the spirit of love as we give for your work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
3: what God has been doing in our church. God has been moving in our church. We've uh, we're on a series of the series, The Journey of the Cross, and today is Palm Sunday. When you leave, you'll get a palm, but I'm reminded of the story of a, of a young guy, a little five, five or six-year-old little boy. He, uh, it was Palm Sunday, and he was sick, so his mother made him stay home. Mom stayed home with the little boy, and Dad took the other children off to church, And, uh, of course, Dad comes home with his palm from Palm Sunday. And uh, the little boy says to his dad when he comes home from church, Why do you have that palm branch, Dad? He replied, You see, son, when Jesus came into town, everyone waved palm branches to honor him. So we got palm branches today. And the little boy replied, Wow. Come on, Dad. The first Sunday I miss, and Jesus shows up that day. You know? And, uh, and that's really what we want. We want Jesus to show up here in this place every Sunday. And, uh, and He's here all the time. He's the center of our message. He's the center of who we are. If you would have your Bible, I would encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 19, verse 28 today. Luke chapter 19, we're going to begin talking about, the, uh, about Palm Sunday. And these events are just so exciting. But as we think, consider the, the journey to the cross... As we take our journey to the cross, several weeks ago we suggested that the journey to the cross didn't begin at the, at the nativity, it began in eternity past. And when God had to make a promise, um, he made that promise back in the Garden of Eden to pay for the sin of mankind. And so this was a long thought out process and Jesus had an appointment at the cross. This was not an accident, it was not... Happenstance. Jesus had an appointment at that cross. So as you think of that, I want you to think of a a plane ride. You know, when you're when you're on a plane and you're going along the journey. Every time we go to Ecuador, you know, I'm the guy who sits there and looks at that little screen on the seat in front of you. It's the GPS, and you watch that plane as if it as if I could change something, right? I'm watching this GPS, and I and I notice the plane, and I say, okay, now we're over Cuba. Hopefully, we can get over Cuba. And I start looking I say all the different places that we're at. And then by the time we, we get to our final destination as we're, we're coming in for, a, a, you know, right to come to Quito, I see that the plane is right over that on the map. And I'm like, wow, here we are. We're ready to go. Why, why are we still in the air? <laughs> we should be down. And then the pilot comes on and the pilot says, please fasten your seatbelt as we make our final approach into the city of Quito. Flight attendants prepare the cabin for landing. And that's what Palm Sunday is. As I look through the scriptures and I see Palm Sunday, it's like the pilot has come on. It's like God the Father has come on and said, prepare for landing. Jesus, fasten the seatbelt. Prepare your disciples because your appointment for the cross is very, very, very soon. So Palm Sunday is the final approach. On Palm Sunday, Jesus began his final approach to the cross. And that's the first point in your notes there this morning. Jesus began his final approach to the cross on Palm Sunday. Luke chapter 19, verse 28 is where we'll begin reading. When he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass, when he came near to Bethpage in Bethany, at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where you will enter, and you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat, loose it and bring it here, and if anyone asks you why are you loosing it, you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it, just as they said to them, But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, "Why are you loosing the colt?" And they said, "The Lord has need of him." verse 35 then they brought the then they brought him to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the colt and they set Jesus on him and as he went and spread many many spread their clothes on the road then as he was now drawing near the descent uh, near the descent of the mount of olives the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for the almighty for the mighty works they had seen saying blessed is the king who comes in the name of the lord peace in heaven and glory in the highest each one of the gospels gives us a recording of palm sunday and if if you look over to mark chapter 11 verse 7 gives us just a little bit more description into into that journey into the city mark chapter 11 verse 7 says this then they brought the colt to jesus and threw their clothes on it and he sat on it And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches, the palm branches, from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. As we look at this passage this morning, I'd like to ask this question what was really happening here this day as i as as i read through that passage over and over i ask myself what was really happening how did it go from palm sunday to the cross so quickly what was really going on there and uh, i want to want to remind you that jesus never took an animal and rode on an animal in any places that he went it was not common practice Uh, that was reserved for for a king that was reserved for a person in high prominence, high power. So Jesus here is now riding on the donkey into the town. But this was during the Passover feast, and uh, during Passover feast, Josephus tells us that there were about two and a half million people that would converge on Jerusalem. So this is this is no no small deal. This is a big time, and all the all the Jewish people have gathered around. All the males that were within twenty five male twenty five miles of Jerusalem, they would have to come back and make their sacrifice. And they would make this journey for Passover. But there was another person that came into the town at this time. Not only did Jesus make his entrance in to Jerusalem, there was another person who made his entrance entrance entrance. And that was the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. It was common any time that they would have these big feasts, big festivals. And, and thousands of people would be converging together on Jerusalem, that the Roman governor would come from his home out in Caesarea, Caesarea out by the water, and so he'd come out from the west and bring with him, he would have a chariot, he would have soldiers, it was a big entourage of people that would come in to make his statement of power. It was all about the Roman imperial power. Um, This was a standard practice by the governor. And the people of the day were familiar with it. But I want you to think about the image that would be seen as, uh, as Pontius Pilate made his journey into Jerusalem. There would be soldiers on horses. There would be foot soldiers. There would be leather armor, helmets, weapons, banners, golden eagles mounted on poles. The sounds of marching feet... The creaking of the leather. The clinking of the bridles in the horse's mouth. The beating of the drums. The swirling of dust. The eyes of the onlookers. What did they see? Well, some of the eyes were curious. Some of them were in awe. And yet others were resentful. Resentful because of the Roman oppression. And how the the Roman guard, the Roman rule, had put this oppression on the people of Israel over jerusalem and so Pilate comes in and his was all about the roman rule to make sure that people knew that roman rule was absolute that it was fixed and that it was final and the people they were there and they're looking for jesus to come and they're looking for jesus to come and free them from this from that power from the power of the roman uh, of the roman rule uh the jews the, the romans had this thing worked out they they figured that the jews were all right They could have their worship. They could worship their God. They could have all their elaborate practices over in the temple, but just don't cause an uprising. Don't challenge the status quo. Don't challenge us as the government, and everything will be happy. You have your gods, we'll have our gods, we'll all just be happy. And that was kind of the the way that they wanted it to be. But they were still oppressing the people, but they did not want to let them uh, have this huge uprising. It was the Roman rule. But here comes Jesus. Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem that day is in sharp contrast. It is nothing like Pontius Pilate. There are no chariots. There are no soldiers. The people are waving. They're shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That word, Hosanna, um, it means this. It means save us, I pray. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're, and, and they're basically waving that that palm branch and they're saying save us save us I pray Uh, that was the original meaning if you go to Psalm 118 118, you would see that phrase Hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord but by the time that Jesus was coming in on the donkey these people were now saying Hosanna and more of a meaning of our salvation is here and it's a a celebrative term Today we sang Hosanna this morning. And we sing it in a, a term of praise and adoration unto God. And this was definitely a time of praise and adoration. They were praising and adoring that this was going to be their king. But it had the sense of save us, our salvation is here. This was the coronation of a king. It was the coronation of a king. If you go back and look into First Kings chapter 1 you would find out about a, another king who rode on a rode on a donkey king david was was old and elderly and he was it was near the end of his life he had promised his son solomon that solomon would be the next king and so as he's as he is ill one of the other brothers adonijah says i'm going to i'm going to take the seat of the king i know it was promised to solomon but i'm going to take it and he begins to mount up war. Uh, all, all the warriors. He pulls all the warriors together and he brings the people together trying to build him a, 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 a consensus that he should be the king. And he's getting p- powerful uh, military might behind him. So he, but he doesn't tell this to Nathan, the prophet. He doesn't tell it to Solomon. He doesn't invite them to his coronation. He doesn't, he doesn't even let uh, the king's wife know. So the prophet Nathan gets worried about it and comes back unto the king, brings uh, brings it back to the king's wife. The king's wife takes it before the king, Saul, uh, before King David. And King David, in his old age, and he's realizing that as he's near the end of his life. He makes the promise and fulfills and passes the seat of kingship on to Solomon. And as Solomon was crowned the king, as he it was his coronation, David tells him. You will ride on my mule. You will take my mule, and you will ride out through the city. And he went out on this mule. So the people, when the, when the people saw Jesus coming down, and they're, they're giving him the red carpet treatment. They're putting their, their clothes on the ground. They're taking these palm branches, and they're laying them down, and they're waving. It is a political environment. It's the red carpet treatment for who they thought was going to be their next king. And indeed, Jesus, this was his coronation. But it had a political feel there. My daughter, Chris, as you know, is, um, is at Liberty University. And she was down there this week in convocation. And Monday, she sent us a text. She's texting her mother and she says, This is really exciting. The speaker in chapel today is running for President of the United States. And she's just all excited. And my wife texts her back and says, Well, who is that? And she texts back, Tom Cruise. I said, Rhonda, can't be. Can't be. The world is coming to an end. Ted Cruise. Ted Cruise. And she corrected it. And so, so we had this, this, this fun discussion back and forth. And she, was, she felt like she was there for a moment of history. And just all the excitement that would be around. And there's 14,000 people in that environment there. And so there was high energy. They're waving flags. It's an exciting day. But the, the feel when Jesus came in through the town was that nature. That high energy, that excitement, that, that this is going to be our next political figure. He is going to save us as the king. So the people had this memory because these were the Jewish people and they were well-versed in the scriptures. They knew about King Solomon. It was in their distant memory. But they also knew about the words of Zechariah. Zechariah makes it real clear. 500 years before this, before this event, Zechariah 9.9 says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. It was a great day it was the culmination of the prophecy of god 500 years predicted earlier it was being fulfilled and when jesus fulfilled this promise on that day he fulfilled two purposes number one he declared himself to be israel's king and messiah he's the king he's the messiah number two he deliberately challenged the religious leaders because the religious leaders were not going to be able to to take this. And um this set in motion, this was the the this is what's set in motion officially: the plot, the arrest, the trial, the crucifixion. And Jesus pays. The Lamb of God must die at Passover. Luke 19, 39 says this, as we continue in our, our main text today. Luke 19, 39, and some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. The stones would immediately cry out. He wasn't about to keep them silent because this was his time. This was the time. It was an event that was ordained by God the Father. And God the Son is here and he's walking through the steps that God had foreordained for him. It was an uneventful ending to the day. If you were to look at Mark eleven eleven, it says this, as Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple, so he had looked around at all, all things. As the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So Jesus comes down, makes his journey. The people are waving the palm branches. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There's great hype, great excitement. And yet as he comes into the city, it's late and it's over. And the day is done. And he goes home. Goes back to Bethany and, and spends time with the twelve. Palm Sunday, this was the final approach to the cross. Why did it go from the triumphal entry to Good Friday? Why did it go from crown him to crucify him? Well, there's several thoughts here this morning. Jesus made several claims. One claim that really got to the religious leaders was this. He claimed that he was the Son of God. Jesus claimed that he was the Son of God. And to the religious leaders, that was blasphemy. They could not tolerate it. They were guarding the truth. They were guards of, uh, of the Old Testament. How could this be that this man was the Son of God. John 10, 24 through 31. The people surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I have already told you, and you don't believe me. The proof is in the work I do in my Father's name. But you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. And then in verse 30, this is what got them. He says, the Father and I are one. And he wasn't just saying that the Father and I are in agreement. Certainly they're in agreement. But he was making a clear statement that the Father and I are one. You've seen me, you've seen God. The Father and I are one. Look at verse 31. Once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. This is why the crowd turned. They were looking for a political figure, not a deity. They were not looking for the Messiah as we know the Messiah today. As we look back, we, see, we hear the word Messiah. We think the Savior of our sins. They were thinking the Savior of our political environment. That our life would change. That the King, the throne of David, would be reinstituted. Secondly, Jesus told, them, told the people that everyone needs a Savior. This was clear in his message. Everyone needs a Savior. Our sin separates us from God, and we have a condition where we need a Savior. There is none righteous, no, not one. As a matter of fact, John uh, John records for us that Jesus, when Jesus spoke with Nicodemus, he said this, he said, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Do not be surprised that I said to you, you must be born again. Now when you look at that, you'll notice there's two you's in that, in that phrase there, in that verse. Do not marvel that I said to you. Nicodemus, do not be surprised that I told you. And then the next you is in the plural form. So he went from you, Nicodemus, to you as in a universal you. In other words, everyone must be born again. Do not marvel. Do not be surprised that I told you, Nicodemus, that everyone must be born again. And then Jesus even, his message took it a step further. And Jesus said that he is the only way. Everyone needs a Savior and he is the only way. John fourteen six. Not only does everyone need a Savior, but Jesus says this in his message here. He says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me no one comes to the father except through me he didn't say notice he doesn't say I am a way I am a way you may want to consider he doesn't say there are many roads to heaven and I'm a good way he says I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me you know today we live in a world where, where we, we, we just want everybody to kind of be happy don't we and, and that's, that's what the Romans were trying to do with the Jews they were saying to the Jews if you guys will just be over there you can do your, you can have your religious practice but the Greeks they have all their mythological gods and we'll let them all believe as long as we just all coexist we'll be happy and that's the idea that's prevalent today isn't it If we would just coexist, we can be happy. If you want to follow Jesus, and you can follow this person, you can follow that person. Jesus cleared that up right here. He said, I am the way. You cannot get to heaven. You cannot get to God, the Father, unless you come through God, the Son. No one comes. And this, today, is our message as we go out. And sometimes people may resist that message. But our, our job is to be faithful to carry that message. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And as you look there, this is what got the religious leaders really upset. Because their power was threatened. Rome had given the religious leaders a degree of power. And if there was an uprising, they would be out of power. Jesus was a threat to their power. Jesus was a threat that Rome would come in and just crush them again. Many stopped following Jesus, however, because of their expectations. They had an expectation of the Messiah that was not met. And that's the next point in your notes there. Many stopped following because their expectations of the Messiah were not met. It just wasn't met. They were were looking for this king. The king to come in and say, "All right, I'm I'm going to roll in power. I'm going to set up the military. We are going. They, there's a new day. There's change in our land, but that's not what Jesus did. As a matter of fact, as Jesus drew near the town, he actually cried. Luke nineteen forty one. Now, as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, "If you had known, even you, especially in this your, your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes." For days, for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side. They will level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. As he drew near the city, he cried. There's only two times in Scripture that we have note, notation of Jesus' tears. One was that Lazarus, when he went to raise Lazarus from the dead, he cried. And, and that is more of, a, of an inward, quiet cry. It was, a, it was weeping, but it was, it was a quiet weeping. But this time, he, the Scriptures are telling us that he actually openly cried. He like, he, he lamented over the city. He he cried heavily like you would lose when you lose a loved one. He was bawling his eyes out for Jerusalem. And, and everywhere he looked, there was a reason for tears. Everywhere Jesus looked, there was a reason for tears. If he looked back, the nation, he would see that a nation missed opportunities. Uh, they were ignorant of their time of visitation from God. They missed that opportunity of the time of visitation. Uh, Within, if he looked within, he would see spiritual blindness of the hearts of the people. The people were spiritually blind. Um, If he looked around, he would see the the religious activity that accomplishes little. He would see that the temple had become a den of thieves. Uh, He would see that the religious leaders were out to kill him. And if he looked ahead, he would see 70 A.D., the fall of Jerusalem. Where in 70 A.D., Jerusalem was sieged for 143 days by the Romans. They killed 600,000 Jews, took thousands more captive, and they destroyed the temple and the city in 70 A.D., just 40 years more than the time when Jesus was crying over Jerusalem. John 1 eleven states that he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. And this is why he's crying. And this is why the, pe- the people are not accepting him as the suffering servant they are trying to look for a king that would come in and change the landscape of their country jesus came to give them not what they wanted but what they needed that's a powerful thought that he came to give them what not what they wanted but what they needed they needed a savior Steve Lambert is a, is a Christian who lives in Washington, D.C., and he's a member at the Capitol, ba- Capitol Hill Baptist Church. He reflects on the differences between Christianity and Islam. Today we live in a world where the, we hear that term, Islam, come up quite a bit. And uh, let's just look here at just a brief difference, because I think it will draw comparison to how the people were looking on Palm Sunday at Jesus. In no other manner are the differences between Muslims and Christians more sharply contrasted than in the difference between the characters and the the legacies of their prophets. Perhaps the contrast is best symbolized by the way Muhammad entered Mecca and Jesus entered Jerusalem. Muhammad rode into Mecca on a war horse surrounded by 400 mounted men and 10,000 foot soldiers. Those who greeted him were absorbed into his movement. Those who resisted him were vanished, killed, or enslaved. Muhammad conquered Mecca and took control of it it as its new religious, political, and military leader. Today, in Istanbul, Turkey, Muhammad's purported sword is proudly on display. Jesus, in contrast, enters Jerusalem... On a donkey, accompanied by his twelve disciples, fishermen. He was welcomed and greeted by people waving palm branches, a traditional sign of peace. Jesus wept over Jerusalem because the Jews mistook him for an earthly, secular king who was to free them from the yoke of Rome. Whereas Jesus came to establish a much different heavenly kingdom, Jesus came by invitation and not by force. Just a stark contrast. The people were looking for this powerful leader, this powerful military. Things are going to change. And Jesus came in peace. Zechariah 9 9, we we looked at that earlier. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, tells us how he would come. And then if you, go, if you just look the next verse over, verse 10, Zechariah 9, 10, says this, "says I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off. He shall speak peace to the nations. His dominions shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Now this is what was happening here. This king, see verse 9 tells us how the king would come on the donkey. Verse 10 tells us of his power and might. And so the people were looking for that power and might. They were looking for this this man that would make world peace. But we could take in between verse 9 and 10 and put Isaiah 53. And there would be the suffering servant as we look at the whole, the, the totality of the Old Testament, we see not only was Jesus forecasted to come in these manners, not only this verse 10 from Zechariah is yet to be fulfilled, in between verse 9 and verse 10 is the suffering servant where Jesus has to go to the cross. The people, they were not ready for this. They, were, they, wanted, they wanted verse 10 They didn't want Isaiah 53, where he will be uh, mocked, where he'll be bruised, where he'll be beaten. They were looking for a a deliverance right now. They were waiting for someone who would rule with strength and might, but he came as a humble servant. They wanted him to finally bring their people glory, but he wanted to change them, that they bring God glory. Um, They looked for a general to come and say, crush your enemies. But he came and said, love your enemies. They wanted deliverance from Rome and oppression, but he was coming to to provide deliverance from sin. It was a fast week. Sunday, the energy is high, but they realized he was not what they wanted, yet they were not able to see that he was what they needed. And so today, I would like to ask you about what are your expectations? Maybe you have had an expectation of God and and you would say, well, my expectations of God just were not met. As we read this story today, I'm reminded that we all have, a, have issues. We have things in our life that just didn't go our way. Maybe it was a, a relationship that didn't work. Maybe it was a family situation that didn't work. A job that you didn't get. A, a, a trial, a hardship, a, a, a health crisis. The loss of a loved one. And we have these expectations that we put on God that if I follow God, then he will do all these things. God never said that he would do all these things. He said to follow me. He said that he'd be not what we wanted, but what we needed, right? Jesus came for you. And he came to give you not what you want, but what you need. And what you need is a Savior. What you need is the Redeemer. You need Jesus to change our life. You know, if the the people could have gotten through Good Friday, they would see that Jesus did more than meet expectations. He exceeded the expectations. And so this is what God, here today, I believe that God is not trying to meet expectations. He is trying to exceed your expectations. And His plan, you can't see it all. And sometimes we won't be able to see it all until we're in eternity what God's plan is and how He actually exceeded what we were thinking about life. But I know this in Ephesians 3.20 tells us that we're to pray because our God can do exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or think. That's exceeding my expectation. And that's where we are today. I would encourage you to take your expectations and lay them at the foot of the cross. And thank Him for His sacrifice. Accept Jesus for who He is. And follow Him. He's the Messiah. He is the God of the universe. He is the King. Pause and recognize Him for who He is. And follow Him. He's your Redeemer. He's your Savior. He's your friend. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I'd like to ask you to reflect on Jesus. He is the King. On Palm Sunday, He was crowned the King. It was His coronation. The people had unmet expectations. Maybe you're having some of those as well will you come and accept him for who he is will you take those expectations and lay them at his feet if you've never accepted christ as your savior i would encourage you today to start that relationship with god open up your heart to him and just pray something like this be the beginning of your relationship with god just call on his name something like this dear lord I need you today I'm a sinner I've offended your holy nature but you came and you died on the cross you had an appointment at the cross to pay for my sin you conquered death you came back to life again and I invite you in to my life I invite you in to be my king God I give you my life in exchange for your holiness others in this room maybe it's been a a while and maybe, maybe you've got a little disfocus maybe you've been thinking about how life hasn't gone the way you thought it should or maybe there's just issues you've, you've faced some trials you've faced some hardships I would encourage you tonight to put Jesus back as the king in your heart Maybe he hasn't been sitting on that throne because we've removed him off of that throne in our hearts. Maybe you could just meet with God this morning and say, Oh God, thank you for that sacrifice. I'm reminded of your love this morning. I place you as the king of my life. Father God, I pray you'll be with each person in this room. May they respond to the greatness of our God. Thank you that you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Thank you for allowing us these glimpses into your character. In your precious name we pray. Amen. So us will stand together as we close our service. If you'd like to come and kneel at the altar, please feel free to do so. And uh, as we sing together.
0: The empty I've heard upon this earth speaks righteousness for me and stands in my defense. Jesus, it's your blood, your blood, your blood speaks about a better word all the empty plains heard upon this earth. Righteousness for me stands in my defense. Jesus, it's Your love, Your love.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, the Lord is good. Amen? Amen. Thank God for Liberty University. Ken mentioned uh, uh, that school. Boy, uh, Jerry Falwell did something, didn't he, down there? It's great to be training schools like that all over our country, training kids to walk in the ways of the Lord. And Tom Cruise even shows up every now and then <laughs> to... Uh, to add his voice to the whole deal. Uh, please remember the Withers family. One of our fine members passed away just a few days ago, Alice Withers. Alice was uh, almost uh, 89 years old, and she was one of the most faithful members of our church for so many years. Uh, viewing is going to be a Jefferson funeral home on Tuesday from 2 to 4, 7 to 9. And uh, on Wednesday, the service will be over there at 10 o'clock. So please remember the Withers family. It's hard for us as a church to lose these wonderful Christians that have stood with us all these years and actually made possible all that we have today up here on this hill through their financial giving and their sacrifice and their prayers. Uh, we, we're going to miss her an awful lot. Uh, it's good to have Barry and Nancy... Uh, Salsey from uh, Lynchburg let's see where are you Barry right there Lynchburg what Jerry's church. Jer- that's Jerry's church down there at Liberty University and uh, we're happy to have you guys back they were here in our church for a long time and then they deserted us and uh, went down to Lynchburg to get a little warmer and we can't blame them for that but we're happy to have you back today God bless you Turn around and shake hands with your neighbor today. God bless you. You're dismissed.